December 14th, 2022. This morning's class and classes throughout the week are, are donated in loving memory of Audrey Levy Aleha Shalom, Hannah Bat Rachel by the Levy family. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin and Pehe Amud Aleph. And let's start again from two lines from the top, right in the middle of the line. Says the Gemara, Ba'u Merav Sheshat. They asked, meaning the Hachamim and the Midrash at the time, posed the following question to Rav Sheshat. They were well aware from the Pasuk in the Torah, from the Mishnayot that we're learning, that it's asur, it's forbidden for a child to strike their parent. Not only is it forbidden, it's very severe in terms of punishment. The Mishnah tells us it's a mitat henek. The Torah tells us mot yumat. And well, that being the case, they asked Rav Sheshat, Ben, Mahu Is it permitted, perhaps is it a mitzvah even, for the child as a shaliach betin, as an emissary, a messenger, a person who works for the rabbinic, for the Jewish court, to strike his father, should his father uh, be liable to the penalty of uh, lashes, malkot, uh, or alternatively, lekalelo, as she explains that the kelala we're dealing with is nidui, if the father is liable to, for one reason or another, there are many reasons, Harambam in Hilchot Talmud Torah gives a long list of the many reasons that a person would be put into Nidui. Nidui means excommunicated. There are all sorts of the Mishnah Gemara and Masechet Mu'id Katan goes through almost all of those. But that being the case, if that's the necessary action uh, for the for the Beit Din to do Malkot slash or uh, do uh, to the father kelala, what we call nidui, cursing, is it permitted for the child under those circumstances to do so? Now, what circumstances would they need to tell the son to go get the Torah or you themselves? That's a good question. Um, I, I, listen, if it's permitted, so then there's no reason for them to do it themselves. Oh, so why wouldn't he do it? Oh, the question more than anything is, is it permitted under these circumstances? You are right, Nathan, in saying that if ultimately speaking we leave this as a safik for uncertain, then we're generally speaking going to tell anyone else to do it, similar to the refuah conversation we had yesterday and the days before. If you're in that sort of situation where there is the safik, the Gemara had the shogeg, we would rather turn to another. So one of several things. Either he's the only one who's able to do the malkot, or alternatively it's fully permitted. Might even be, as, as difficult as it is to hear, a mitzvah for him to do so. What's that? Oh, you're saying uh, in the Beit Din, no. Because the rel- I'm, I'm very cautious in what I'm saying because I know you'll jump, someone will jump on it. The relative situation, generally speaking, is because we fear there's going to be some sort of bias. And as a result, in terms of testimony and judgment, we say a relative can't be involved. Well, here it's in terms of execution. Uh, so in other words, in terms of execution of the Betin's orders and, and decision, which was, re- which was uh, arrived at irrespective of this person, so that's when you'd, uh, you'd say, I, I know it's difficult a little bit to suggest that because the classic example we talked about in Masechet Rosh is do you really fear that Moshe and Aharon would be biased in reporting about uh, Kiddush HaChodesh? Are we really believing that because they're brothers, they're going to conspire and some are Moshe, Rabbeinu, and Aharon, HaKohen. Uh, but that's the general principles. And as a result, in this context, you don't have such an invalidation. Anyway, that's the question. So the response here of Rav Sheshat initially uh, is, He says, and another person who permitted. In other words, uh, let's set aside the child for a moment. 
what you were particularly and specifically asking me, says Rav Sheshat, what about any other person? Why should it be permitted for any other person to give lashes as a shaliyah betin or to be mekalel, we call that again, nidui, excommunication, as a shaliyah betin? Now the Torah explicitly tells us, Arba'im yakenu. The Torah explicitly tells us, Vehipilo ha-shofet, The Torah in Parashat Shofetim details the halachot of Malkot. So we know there is such a concept. There is an entity known as Beit giving lashes. We know there are Homasechet Makot, which to a large extent deals with these halachot. So clearly it's permitted for someone, for some people, to give lashes. Why should they be permitted? The Torah furthermore prohibits lashing another person, striking another person. Uh, clearly there's some give over here. The fact that they're a member of Bedin, the fact that they're acting on behalf of Bedin, it's different. Furthermore, the Kilala. Rashi inst- interestingly quotes from the Pasuk with three... What's that? That's right. That's right. That's right. By extension, you say, the Arba mitot betin. You're not allowed to kill a person, and the betin is killing. A little bit different over here, because we want to compare it to the child. But yeah, yeah, understood. Um, but along the same lines, what about the kilala? Rashi quotes the pasuk from Parashat Naso in the context of Isha Sota, Yiten Adonai Otach Le'ala, and so forth. The pasuk talks about how the Kohen is supposed to turn to this woman who is uh, accused of, uh, of being promiscuous, and he gives a certain curse to her. You see, betin sometimes is supposed to be cursing, but I thought you're never supposed to curse another. Uh, sometimes under specific circumstances, under the jurisdiction of the Beitin, when they determine that, that it's appropriate to do so, you do so. So says Rav Sheshad. Yeah. Right. Uh, to a certain extent, that's what the Gemara is answering. Uh, the Gemara is not getting as specific as you, who I think are invoking Aseh Dohe Lota Aseh, the general principle of a mitzvah Aseh, pushing aside a mitzvah Lota Aseh. There is a conversation among the Aharonim. I have seen in Aruch Laner, he does debate why the sugya doesn't invoke those words. But to a certain extent, leave that technicality aside. To a certain extent, it's what the Gemara is saying. What the Gemara is going to say, it's for the Kavod Shemaim. Effectively saying kavod shamai means this is a mitzvah. And as a result, it's going to push aside any uh, mitzvah lotase, which you would generally speaking assume you have. And the classic interpretation, whether we're going to fully explain it or not, for the concept of ase dohelat lotase is what Ramban Nachmani writes in his commentary to the Torah. He suggests that mitzvot ase are a manifestation of what we call ahavat Hashem, and mitzvot lotase are a manifestation of what we call mitzvot yirat Hashem. And to a certain extent, for one reason or another, love, I mean, I guess we can somewhat appreciate this. You know, the, the Gemara elsewhere has, has a Rashi quotes in his commentary to the Torah in, in Bereshit. So he has over there the concept that love could skew the line. You have a straight line. He does it in the context of Abraham himself saddling his donkey on his way to Akedah Yitzhak. Why is he doing so? Why doesn't he have one of his slaves, his servants, do so? It takes things which you imagined were straight. There's a certain fear and trepidation, and it pushes it aside. So that's a similar concept, uh, Jesse, in this context. When we talk about Kavot Shamayim, trumping and overriding that Ahavat Hashem, any Yirat Shamayim, any prohibition you would have had, uh, to a large extent, that's what the Gemara answers. So again, what... Which part? Carry out the punishment. Yes, the Gemara's. I mean, uh, uh, Judah says, says, well, listen, it's. 
it all is, it is, a, but it is upon Beitin of, of being Shofetet Ha'ida. There certainly is a Shofetim Shotirim, Titen Lecha Bechoshi Arecha, and so on and so forth. So it certainly is all a mitzvah. Uh, what you might argue, and I understand why, is if it's not a mitzvah for this person to be doing so, something along the lines of so maybe we would say as a result, well, let's not push aside one mitzvah or whatever, if we could, but in the scheme of things, any appointee of Beitin is performing a mitzvah and by so doing, quote, to a certain extent, pushing aside another an avera. That's the, the Gemara doesn't use that language, but to a certain extent, that's what it's insinuating. Again, says the Gemara, says Rav Sheshat, who said another person is permitted. Why should they be permitted? Again, as I told you, Rashi. Uh, cites in this context, I mentioned this yesterday very briefly, Rashi cites in this context, every person is prohibited from striking another. That we derive from the Pasuk of you're not allowed to add, meaning in, outside of the context of the 39 lashes, it's in Isur. He furthermore quotes from a Gemara and Dafnun Het that there's a prohibition for any person to curse another person. That's a Hidush, and it's hard to find that in the Gemara that he's citing. But those are the words of Rashi. But anyway, then the Gemara says, says, Who said another person has a permissibility? If anything, they're prohibited from cursing or striking another. And nonetheless, Beit Din is allowing or is being misaveh that this shaliyah do so, ela kevod Shamaim Adif, rather you have to argue, says Rav Sheshat, the reason Beitin is able to do this is for Kavot Shamaim. It's uh, for the honor of heaven. And as a result, uh, we can derive from that, says Rav Sheshat, just carry that over to father and son as well. Hacha Nameh, so too over here, Hacha here, Nameh, also by Ben Aviv, we should say, says Rav Sheshat, Kavot Shamaim Adif. It's more important to uphold Kavot Shamaim than to be uh, standoffish in order to fear the isur that's in the context of, of, of performance. And again, I, I'm, I'm using those words of Rashi al Hatorah, of Kavot Shamayim Adif, the concept, just this concept of it's all to a certain extent a part of a similar package with regards to Rav Sheshat making the claim, oh, why should a son be any different? Oh, because the, the stakes are higher for the son? So what if the stakes are higher? If it's for Kavot Shamayim, at all costs, we're going to do Kavot. Shaman. Says the Gemara, but we have some technical aspects that are difficult. Um, with regards to your opinion, Rav Sheshat, you effectively argued very clearly that Ben could and should be striking their parent, Metiveh. I have a Beraita which would uh, perhaps uh, negate that position. Uma. This Beraita is a strange and hard to understand words in the Beraita. It's, it's mysterious words. You're going to read them together with me in a second. Very mysterious, and that's really what, what the issue is. We don't know how to crack the code of what these words mean. That's number one. Number two, what seems clear from this Beraita is it's issuing a warning with regards to striking. We already have the warnings in the Torah. We have the Torah tells us not to strike another person, not to strike your parents. We have that. What's the Beraita? The Beraita is going to make some sort of logical kalva homer in order to get to that. Uh, what several of the Mephashim suggest is that we have this principle in general. We've seen it several times. The Torah needs to explicitly or implicitly level both a warning, don't do this, separate from, if you were to do this, this is your punishment. So the Hachamim and this Beraita are searching perhaps for the warning in not striking another. Anyway, that's what the Beraita says the following words. Uma, 
Uma begins the uh, logical deduction. If you're to look at Uma, Mishe Mesuve Lahakoto, or Mitzvah Lahakoto, Mitzvah Shelo Lahakoto. Mishe no Mitzvah Lahakoto, Eno Din She Mitzvah Shelo Lahakoto. So it's a, real, it's a real riddle over here. Again, if there's a mitzvah by an individual to strike them, well, there's also a mitzvah by them not to strike them. So certainly a person who there's no mitzvah to strike them, you may not strike them. That's, that's quite the mystery. What are we talking about? And uh, how does this have anything to do with Rav, Rav Sheshat and the issue of Ben Aviv? My love, shall we not suggest, here's how we'll crack the code. Idi idi b'makom mitzvah. Uh, perhaps uh, the mitzvah lahakoto and shelo, mitzvah shelo lahakoto is in the context of mitzvah, meaning betin. How so? Habibino habeacher. The first statement of this beraita is talking about the child, and the second statement of the beraita is talking about uh, another person. How so? Well, let's read the words of the beraita again and crack it the way the Gemara understands it, and in turn is questioning Rav Sheshat. Here's how it goes. Umami shemitzvah lehakoto. If there's an individual who's not a child, an aher, in Bedin, there's a mitzvah to strike the person in front of them. Mitzvah shelo lehakoto, outside of Bedin, beyond the 39 lashes. There's a prohibition. You may not strike another person. So then, let's carry that over. If a person who I'm dealing with, uh, uh, John Doe, I have, if I'm an appointee from Betin, a mitzvah to strike him. If I'm in Betin. If I'm outside of Betin, if it's outside of 39 lashes, not only is it not a mitzvah, it's a prohibition. I'm not allowed to strike him. So certainly, if it's my father... Where in Bedin there's no mitzvah, there's no permissibility for me to strike him. Outside of Bedin, beyond the 39 lashes, I'm also warned, uh, of course, not to be striking him. It means that this Yosef. The Torah says that you can't add, Lo Yosef, Pen Yosef, don't add on to the 39 lashes. Which means if you go beyond 39 lashes, as a Shaliyah Bedin, you are liable to punishment. Because it's pro- prohibited. It means even in Betin you're prohibited if you go beyond. Again, if we do it in the jurisdiction of rabbinic lashes, a separate issue. But we're talking about you just gave the lashes. But that being the case, the Beraita then reads as follows. One more time. It's a logical deduction that a child to their father, whether in Betin or even outside of Betin, are prohibited to strike. How so? And it goes like this. If an individual, a non-child to parent, is misuveh, there's a mitzvah in Betin to give the lashes. Arba'im yakenu, the Torah gives a mitzvah in this context. Outside of Betin, mitzvah, shelola hakoto, that we know, the Torah says, lo yosif. So certainly, here's the kalvahomer, the child who in Betin has no mitzvah, outside of Betin, also has a prohibition, has a stronger prohibition. This Kavahomer is the Beraita. So it's proving that the child is not allowed That's it's right. It's a question on Rav Sheshat. So the Gemara is questioning Rav Sheshat from this. Again, it's a mysterious Beraita. We might, Rav Sheshat will be able to spin in another way. But that's what we're going to say. I, 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 I remind you again, it's, 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 it's mysterious for several reasons, and, and not the least of that it's cryptic. But furthermore, why are we doing this? Why are we looking for Kavaham? It's explicit in the Torah. The best explanation you have is this is the Azhara. We need a warning in the Torah as well. So again, says the Gemara, my love, should we not suggest that this Beraita's interpretation is Idivi? 
Ve'idi, both cases, the first clause and the second clause, the first, the mitzvah lahakoto and the mitzvah shelo lahakoto, is bemakom mitzvah, it's in the, quote, context of mitzvah, meaning betin. Habibino, the second clause was a reference to the child. The first was with reference to the parent. And as a result, the Baraita is directly implying or explicitly stating, better yet, that the child is misuve even in betin shelole hakotet aviv. In which case, Rav Sheshat, your response to our initial question to you, uh, we're questioning your response. We asked you, Ben, mahu she ye'ase shaliyah betin lehakotet aviv. Your response was, it's permitted. We think not from this beraita. Answers Rav Sheshat, no, there's a different explanation to cracking this mystery. Lo idivi idi. No, 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 that's not what this Beraita is referring to. In the first and second statement, the mitzvah lahakoto, mitzvah shalah, was never referring, we read it just now, the first statement was, mitzvah lahakoto was not son. Second statement, mitzvah shalah lahakoto was son. That's not what it meant. The two clauses, the two statements in the Beraita are talking about whether you're in Betin or not. Whether it is those 39 lashes or not. Irrespective, don't distinguish between child and anyone else. And under both circumstances, how are you reading this? And here's how you read the Beraita, says Rav Sheshat. If we're in the context of Betin, you're in the Betin. There's a mitzvah from the Torah. You need to give him lashes. Mitzvah You may not add on. The Torah explicitly says, Lo yosi, don't do more than 39 lashes. Shelo b'makom mitzvah. Sheno mitzvah lehakoto. Enodin she mitzvah shelo lehakoto. If you're outside of betin, that's the second part of the beraita, where there was no mitzvah ever, both for the child, nor for the uh, any other person to strike this man. No, what do you mean? He said, Asha, no, there's no mitzvah for you. So certainly in that circumstance, enodin she mitzvah shelo lehakoto. Not only is there no command, not only is there no positive commandment for you to be doing so, there's going to be a negative prohibition if you were to do so. So again, according to Rav Sheshat, instead of reading this as statement about parent, excuse me, statement about any person, statement about child, a statement about any person is in Betin, it's a mitzvah, a statement about child is, there's no mitzvah in Betin. Instead, read it both about the child and about any other person, both in beginning and end. And the only difference between these two statements in this Beraita are, are you in the Betin or you're out of the Betin? If you're in the Betin, even in the Betin, if you go beyond 39 lashes, that was prohibited. Certainly outside of Betin, where there's no mitzvah, if you strike a person, it's not a chidush per se, it's finding a azhara, that's the best explanation, it's finding an azhara for what we already know is, pro, what we already know is liable for punishment from the Torah. That's what we have to say. Oh, we know that already. Is that a chidush? Say it again. No, Rav Sheshat is only Rav Sheshat is permitting a child to give malkot le'aviv. Based on within the bedin. Because, no, the azhara that we refer to over here is the azhara of the Torah. Well, that's what we're talking about. So, uh, again, uh, uh, Rav Sheshat just is, is, is cracking the code differently. He's just reading these words differently. And as a result, 
We don't have a proof for or against Rav Sheshat. We don't know how to read this Beraita. The Beraita is what you'd call in English equivocal. It could be read in two ways. It could be read as a question on Rav Sheshat. Rav Sheshat could solve it on his own. You're right, Jesse. His reading might be a little bit more difficult because it's less of a hidush, it's less potency. But ultimately speaking, it's viable. Says the Gemara, we have another question on Rav Sheshat. Here's our other question on Rav Sheshat. Tashima. Come and listen to the following proof from another Biraita, another mysterious Biraita, not as mysterious as the first one with regards to Eshus, so we don't understand the context in this Biraita. If a person is being taken out by Betin, he's been judged, witnesses, final Gemardin, uh, verdict, and is being taken out to the gallows, being taken out to be killed, whatever way he's going to be killed by Betin. Explicitly says the Beraita, and his son comes, and his son strikes him or curses him. Hayav. The child is Hayav Mita. Okay, so if I haven't proved that much to me. If any other person comes and strikes this man who's on his way to death penalty, to death sentencing or, or, or execution from Beitin, Patur. They're not liable. He's or no, he's not, he's not in the midst of the sin. Alright, hold that thought, hold that thought. The Gemara will arrive at that and then challenge it. So give it four or five lines to get to you'll see the four or five lines down, you'll see the words Gavra Ketila, your words, dead man walking. But first, uh, let's just get there. So as the Gemara, let, let's first understand context. Again, you told me that for some reason any other person is permitted, not that we want them, nobody should be striking another person and cursing them under any circumstance. If he did so, he's not liable to punishment, it sounds like, and that's in contrast to the child, if they did it, even though the father's on his way to being put to death, Hayav, Vehavinanda. Vehavinanda means they discussed it, they debated this, they tried to define what is going on in this Beraita. Why should we distinguish uh, whether it was a child or another person who did these actions to this man? Under this circumstance, if the fact that he's a dead man walking is significant, why should we distinguish between whether it was the child or the father? If already the status of this man is that anything, so to speak, I can't fully say that and I won't fully anything that you do to them is is, is not going to be liable, so then it shouldn't be different between a child and a father, uh, a, a child and another person. What's the punishment for a regular person? Who, who strikes another? Malkot. 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 We assume, keep in mind there's more than just Malkot, and as a really there's also the liability with regards to uh, how much I damage them. Right. It's important already to think about is how much I damage them, which is the five, you know, Nezek, Sar, Shevet, Ripui, and Boshet, all of that. Additionally, if it's a Haka'ash, Yesh Bashave Peruta, that's that. Uh, additionally, if it's in Bashave Peruta, you'd get lashes. In other words, if you're not. For some reason, it's permitted. So if it's I very purposefully said not, not really, but that's what it sounds like so far. Sounds ridiculous. I agree with you. That right now sounds ridiculous, and it's really what the Gemara is questioning. The Gemara is saying, "What are you talking about?" You're changing the judgment. I'm saying, if somebody on death row gets killed by sight and comes to a stone on him, you're changing the whole judgment. Well, you're not killing him. You're not killing. Him. You're striking him. I don't know why. No, no, no. You're not killing him. You're just hitting him. You're giving a habura. You're beating him up. So you say he's never considered that. 
Um, I think it's got it. But but Jeffrey's right. Uh, even if we're about to throw a rock at him, if uh, we saw this in the Gemara and the Mishnah earlier, if some person says yes, we bring him down, bring him back into court. So he's saying we, we'll always. But it's it's an in between point. On the one hand, he's dead man walking. Uh, however, if someone opens it up, we then doubt it. It's it's one of these you know you you I I sentence the child you are expelled from the school. It doesn't mean that if there's I don't know, you're done you're finished. It doesn't mean that if we you bring now video evidence that it wasn't you that I'm going to reverse it. I can still reverse it, but your punishment go and look into another school and yes tell them you were expelled because you are expelled. Something along those lines. Says the answers. He explains this circumstance. He explains why there's a distinction, there's a difference between the parent, excuse me, the child and parent versus any other person that's fascinating and Jared it deals with your nerves for now because the statement over here of Rav Hasda is he says listen the situation is it's within the confines of jurisdiction of Betin Betin is still dealing with this guy so the case is he sentenced to death penalty maybe we put him in a holding cell for a little and now we're ready to execute him and he's holding on to the bars he stuck himself down to the ground he glued himself in place you can't get him out what are you going to do in such a circumstance? Al pi betin, based on the word of betin, the mitzvah betin, you're beating him up to get him out. It's not heke, he's in the prison cell, he's on his way, you're spitting at him, and you're beating him up because he's a bad guy. No, 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 this is betin. Mesarvim bo laset, you're beating him up. Okay, okay, now we need to do it. What's that? That, that's right. That's the suggestion of the Gemara. So now the Gemara's suggestion then goes as follows. Not the Gemara, Rav Hasda. He says the case must be, it's as agents of the court, in your word, Eli, as shaliach bedin. That was the right word. I said emissary and the messenger. Agent, that's the right word. Um, as an agent of bedin, of the court, shaliach bedin. That's why he's being struck. I'll listen to the words of Rav Hasda one more time. If the person won't go to his death uh, execution. Bedin stands up to the plate and beats him up in order to get him out. If Bedin does so, they're not liable to anything. It's fully permitted and it's, it's, it's called for. If the child does so, Hayav! You see Rav Sheshat? Even though the court thinks that this should be done, even though it's in place. If any other person's doing it, they're doing the right thing. You see Rav Sheshat, what you said is wrong. What's that? Let's assume he's not. Let's, or let's assume he even is, and it sounds like we're not going to allow for him to do so. So the Gemara, what, what's that? It's a little different. This case. I'm saying that, that hitting is a different hitting. It's not carrying out. It is, but ultimately speaking, why would you distinguish? You're right, but ultimately speaking, it's call it kavot Ultimately, I understand you'll say it's a little bit less, but ultimately speaking, we're allowing for Bedin to do it. We're telling them you're allowed to beat him up. So why is the child any different? If anything, if you're, if anything, since it's not really part of the process, you should say Bedin doesn't have the ability to beat the guy up to bring him there. But he's just saying it, it's a difference. The point here is really just that's right. And Rav Sheshat told me there is no difference. And if you can't read this Beraita any differently than Rav Hasta, so we have a question on Rav Sheshat. Again, Rav Sheshat says that Ben is mutar lehakotet aviv kavot shamayim adiv. Uh, this Beraita says there's a difference between child and any other person. Well, that's Rav Hasta said so, because we don't have another way of reading the... 
Because until we arrive at yours and Judah's distinction of Gavra Ketila, this is all we can understand. Why would you dis- It's explicit in the Baraita. The Baraita explicitly distinguishes between a child and someone, some other person. Why are you distinguishing? What's the difference between the two? So Rav Hasta says it must be it's under the jurisdiction of the court because according to the other argument you have the Jared claim just a hicket anyone's allowed to beat him up and we say they're not liable well, the answer is it's under the jurisdiction of the court. That's Can we say though that there's a difference between the obligated lashes and then the lashes? So that's what Judah was arguing as well. But what again if we say there's a difference then then you just push the question in the other direction. So then how come the court's allowed to be hitting him? The fact that the court's allowed to be hitting him, clearly this is permitted. Uh, that's, that's, what it's, that's, that's what seems clear. Again, according to Rav Hasta. Absolutely. And that's why we have a question on Rav Sheshat. We have no reason to distinguish between the beating up and the lashes in the court because if we're permitting it for court, it's part of court, court proceedings. So, what's that? Uh, no, nobody's going to at any point, you know, uh, let me be clear. Now, I, I would never tell you any differently. I would tell you if the Beddin, you know, whatever, if Beddin were to turn to any person, to, I would tell him, please tell them, even if we were posek like Rav Sheshat, we'll see at the end of Sugya whether we are. He turns out and he says, oh, I'm not the right person. There's no question from, from a Kabul, from all sorts of perspectives. Uh, understood. Understood. No, that's what I'm saying. Above me, 100. percent I'm just saying that the Gemara talked from a technical aspect. Anyway, Rav Sheshat answers the Gemara. Rav Sheshat muke lehu b'she'en misarvim bolaset. Says the Gemara. Rav Sheshat, who needs to defend himself, who doesn't distinguish, who says both the child and another person are allowed to, or maybe even supposed to strike this person, even though it's his father. Well, how does Rav Sheshat explain this Beraita? He says, no, it wasn't part of the court proceedings. It's Emesad Vimbolaset. It's not that he was, it's, it's just the guy was on, he's in line to be executed, and someone beats him up, whether the child or another person, the person who beats him up is not liable, the child is. Now, of course, we got all the difficulties. Now, Jared says, well, you're just permitting, it's not that we're permitting, first and foremost, which is going to remind you of that. It's just saying he's not liable. Why shouldn't he be liable? You're not just li- beat up a guy because he's a bad guy, you're not allowed to beat him up. Says the Gemara, that's really your question, Jared. Says the Gemara, if that's the case, why should any other person? Don't just tell me the child's not allowed to beat him up, or not allowed to give him lashes, not allowed to hurt him under these circumstances. Any other person as well, just because he's a bad guy. Hence, is the Gemara, you're right. Now, that's my words. You're right. You're not allowed to beat him up, but we're not going to make you liable for punishment because Gavra Ketilahu, because he is. Gavra means a person, Kitila means dead. He's a dead man walking. And since he's a dead man walking, it's difficult, if not impossible, for us to now say to the person who just struck him, well, you have to pay his financial worth, his monetary worth. What's his monetary worth? How do you evaluate the monetary worth of a person you struck? The answer is, according to the halakha, is you evaluate how much they would be sold for in the market as a slave. All right, great. So this person just beat him up. Look at him, he's all bruised. He's going to miss work for the next... Which work? He's, he's about to be executed. No, no, he won't be sold as the same... What's sold? The guy's on his way to the gallows. He's about to die. As a result, his value from a technical standpoint is $0.00. And as a result of his value being zero, if a person were to beat him up, were to hurt him, they're not liable to anything. That's in contrast, as Jesse told us earlier, to the... What's that? Oh, the guy has zero value. Killing is different. 
killing is not about the value. Killing is about taking his life. You weren't allowed to take his life. Over here, what's that? Even though he's a dead man. Over here, we're just talking about financial value, monetary value. You, you can ask a question, what about the lashes that they maybe should receive? We'll deal with that in a second in, a, in the Gemara. It's for that reason, by the way, that we turn to the sun and we, we contrast it. We say, the sun, it had nothing to do with the value of your father. When the Torah says, mot yumat, it's because you were mevazeh, your father, and you're liable whether you, it doesn't matter the financial value of it. You need to do a habura, the Amachayan said, in order to be liable for mot yumat, we have a certain qualification. But ultimately speaking, it's not because of the value of the you're child, of the father. Says the Gemara, thank you, Jared. Says the Gemara, the Ha'amara of Sheshat, Biyesho, Yashin, Vamet, Hayav. Says the Gemara, wait a second, listen to the following. It's a crazy case, but Rav Sheshat himself said it. So before we get angry at try to defend Rav Sheshat, it's your own words. Rav Sheshat, this is what you told us. If you were Mivayesh, you brought forth a Bushah. There's a way of characterizing the Gemara in the 8th Perek of Masech Bavakama explains how you evaluate what Bushah is. But if you embarrass a person while they're sleeping and then they die while in their sleep, what do you do? You did some damage to them that's embarrassing, but they never wake up, so they never experience that embarrassment. Oh, you should be patur. That's like Gavra Ketila. The answer that the Halakha says, Rav Sheshat, is Hayav. Why are you Hayav? Well, who are you paying to? What are you paying for? Says Jared, says Rav Sheshat, you're paying to the family members for whom you cause damage. Well, that being the case, says the Gemara, we should, Rav Sheshat, you told me, Gavra Ketila, the guy is a dead man walking, he therefore has zero value. He doesn't have zero value. He has zero resale value, but he has Bushah. He's he has no busha. He's going to be dead in a few minutes. His family has busha. Uh, can you imagine what the word on the street is going to be? Not only was he a bad guy who was put to death, as it, it was the thing. You remember they did this, uh, there was videos of it, Saddam Hussein, Lehavdil, well, maybe not Lehavdil, I don't know, we're dealing with the Rasha over here, but uh, the, the, before his sent, before his death thing, they got all angry at the American troops, American people, because they were taunting him. It was a busha to the country. Or that, and it was the description over here, says the Gemara, it's true, the person's about to die. The person's about to be beheaded, he's about to be stoned, whatever the case is, but now to the family, you should be liable. That being the case, we question Rav Sheshat himself. Rav Sheshat, you told us this strange and difficult, hard to understand Beraita. The Beraita said, if it's a person who's on his way to being executed, if the person is struck, we distinguish. If it's the child who struck him, Hayah. If it's another person who struck him, Patur. We say, ah, well, why should he be Patur? Why should he be Hayah? It must be Rav Sheshat, because one's allowed, one's not allowed. It's all within the procedures of Betin. Says Rav Sheshat, no, it's not within the procedures of Betin. Okay, so then why is the other person allowed to hurt him? Gavra Ketila. Oh, Gavra Ketila means his dead man walking. Dead man walking, he has no value. He has no value? You yourself told us he has value vis-a-vis -vis his family members. So you can't say that he's patur in such a circumstance. He should have to pay out to the family members. No, 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 but he was already going to die. But do you know what shame it did for our family now that around town they're saying not only was he put to death, but he was treated like an animal before his death? Do you know how shameful that was to us? As a result, the Gemara at this juncture, at this point, is questioning Rav Sheshat. He still has to answer himself with regards to his statement that we had at the top of the Amud, that we don't distinguish between a child or anyone else with regards to mitzvah of betin, shaliyah betin, Hakot et Avid Baruch Adonai Amen